Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Mark Hill, and this is the segment, The Podcast. I believe in humans' potential, that the ultimate expression of oneself is achievable. And we all have that urge, that need to progress and become better. And I feel that the trail can help us do that. Whether it's overcoming fears, learning from mistakes, taking calculated trail risks, or building those long-lasting friendships. It's all progression. Join me as I speak with folks who are moving from the ordinary to the extraordinary, and let's catch them on their journey towards the KOM of their life. Welcome to the segment. Let's go. This episode of the Segment Podcast has been brought to you by YT Industries, Tasco MTB, Spy Optic, Kenda Tires, and Edney's Shoes. Take a look at the show notes for affiliate links and promo codes to help save you a buck or two. Yo, yo, what is up, folks? We are here in episode 120 of the Segment Podcast, and this is going to be a great one because... It's all about suspension, and I've got the guys from Fluid Focus on the show tonight. We're going to talk about rebound, tokens, dampening, damp, damping, dampening, <laughs> all the things. So feel free to ask questions as we go along, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I do want to let you know that uh, I specifically found these guys because I have a push coil on my decoy, and when the push coil went out, uh, push actually pushed me over to Fluid Focus as well as learning from a lot of the locals in the Southern California area that Fluid Focus is one of the places to go to when it comes to suspension work. So these guys are the pros and I'm so stoked to have them on the show tonight. A um, couple things, if you guys are in the area and look for something to do this weekend, there is a group ride. There's a couple group rides going on. There is an SSB ride at Snow Summit happening on Saturday. If you guys want to jump up there to Snow Summit on Saturday, there's also a Tony De Silva group ride happening at Snow Valley. And the cool thing about both places are owned by the same owner, but Snow Valley's ticket is 29 bucks, and generally the lifts are pretty open. So if you're looking for something to do this weekend, a uh, couple big group rides going on at uh, in the Big Bear area. So Snow Summit and Snow Valley. Uh, rest in peace. Also talk about creativity, rest in peace to Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman passed away this week. What the heck? He was like, one of the crazy child icons, um, of creativity when I was a kid. So I can't believe he passed away. So rest in peace to 
Pee Wee Herman, when it comes to trying to get things going on the bike, um, man, suspension is one of those things that seems like it's a crazy <laughs> myth. There's like dials and knobs and high speed, low speed rebound, compression, everything else. So without further ado, let's get the boys up from Fluid Focus. On the show tonight, we have Ryan and Johnny. What's up, boys? Hey, how you doing? Good to see you guys. How you guys doing? <laughs> You're doing great, doing great. Man, I'm so stoked you guys were able to jump on the show. And uh, it started probably a week ago, guys. There was a, a comment on Instagram where they were talking about mid-speed suspension. And you you guys did a great job, like, kind of educating around what that is and it just got to the point where i was like man we should really have a discussion on on suspension because it seems like uh for a lot of us including myself it seems like it's so confusing yeah i think um in in the mountain bike industry there's a lot of talk about mid-stroke support mid-stroke this and that uh, a lot of people will run max volume spacers low pressure try to get mid-stroke support or just tons of air pressure and uh, no volume spacers to get the support. Um, but really there is no such thing as mid-stroke support in mountain biking. You can, you cannot isolate just the, the mid-stroke. It's, it's there, there is technically a mid middle stroke of like the, a damper, but you can't really isolate that position. Um, uh, in mountain biking currently because we do not have bypass shocks bypass shocks and truck you can isolate different parts of the stroke um, with the bypass valves but uh, in mountain biking it's not a thing so i don't know where the industry got off talking about mid-stroke support um, but it's just overall damping so uh, there is especially in forks we see and this is kind of where that comment came from uh, uh, we see lots of people wanting more support or that that mid mid travel feel um, uh, so, so yeah, so, um, our thing is we tune, um, tune the damper to give the rider more, su more support. And then if we need to, we'll use volume spacers as a tuning aspect, okay. but, um, only if somebody needs it, we typically run our tunes with one to, to no spacers. So. God. Gotcha. So no, but I guess uh, let me yeah. let me interrupt you too. There's there sure. is a, a mid, um, like, like a mid valve, um, and that is a thing that is a, a high speed valve that controls high speed compression and rebounds, um, but it's not like a mid stroke specific piece. It's a, it controls the uh, damping from start to to end. Okay, got it, got it. And let's even break it down even even further for like a lot of us who are newer to the suspension talk and everything like that. When you're talking about high speed and low speed compression, what is that exactly going on when you're looking at your suspension and you see the blue dial and the red dial? Like what exactly is happening yeah. there? Um, yeah, typically uh, the, the blue dial's compression. Um, Fox also has a low speed dial that's, that's black and also compression, but uh, Red typically rebound. Um, high speed and low speed uh, are dependent on shaft speed, not your wheel speed. Um, so if your shaft is moving somewhere around the like 
you know, half a meter to 0.6 meters per second. That's generally kind of the, the transition between low and high speed. Um, but a lot of people will make an adjustment because they're on a flow trail going super, super fast, but you know, their fork is, is diving on a, on a jump face. And even though the bike is going mock speed, but the, the suspension, the, the fork and shock going off the lip is a low speed uh, situation. And we see a lot of people mixing up those two adjustments. Got it. Okay. So, so it all starts then. So then we even have to back up even further. Cause there was a question about, um, setting your sag. So should, should it all start back there on, on setting the sag in the front and rear? And then we mess with the clicks to get to the high speed, low speed rebound and compression after that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll actually let Johnny take this one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it, Johnny. I see you nodding over there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the number one thing, yeah, I, I was going to say the number one thing, important part is always to set sag, um, because that's going to, you know, affect every, everything else that follows. So, um, with that, it's, it's the main piece to the puzzle. Um, yeah. once you set sag, then you're able to, um, you know, get those adjusters in a better range um, and a better feel for the air pressure that's in there or for the coil that you're running. Yeah, it's, a, like a, it's not a set in stone number, but it's a good starting point and a reference point uh, that you can always come back to if, if you need to. But it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a good starting point just to know where you're at. Okay. And if somebody was like brand new coming into the mountain bike scene and they're, they're trying to adjust that sag, what's, what's a good percentage that they should be trying to hit right off the bat? Um, depends on the bike. Uh, but generally for enduro trail bikes, shocks are around 30% sag, uh, forks, you know, ge the general rule of thumb there was like 15 to 20%. But with the data stuff that we're running, uh, in the bike balance uh, stuff that we're seeing more towards that, you know, the 30% mark, not necessarily 30% completely, but um, more sag on the fork is kind of what we're seeing with the data stuff to, to have a balanced bike. Oh, wow. So it's actually gone up from what was previously thought of. Yeah. I mean, it's, okay. um, that's kind of what we see with the, with the data stuff and what we're doing, but I think the rule of thumb and still a good starting point is probably about 20% for most people. And then, in the front. And then, fine-tuned from there okay got it now as a rider is getting more aggressive and faster on the trails you set that 30 percent sag and you got those dials right there you got the red and the blue should they start would you recommend starting everything in the middle as far as how many clicks it goes for faster or slower or where should they start um well i'll say with like uh with fox stuff specifically uh there's recommended adjuster settings. It's like for a shock, they're not bad, but you have to go a few steps softer in their range and start with those settings. And that's pretty good um, starting point. Um, okay. But, uh, but yeah, we see people running rebound way, way too slow. Um, a lot of times not enough compression. So if, if someone doesn't know anything and they're just looking for a starting point, I guess, yeah, recommended 
you know, for the, for the manufacturer starting point, but um, definitely measure your sag, dunk off the stickers and, um, and then start there. Got it. Okay. So sag is truly, truly important. Step one. And then a manufacturing recommendation off the website, as far as how many clicks they're, they're running just to start. And when you just said like, you see bikes come in and generally people are, are too slow in their rebound. And when we're talking about too slow in the rebound, basically, does that mean that um, when the tire is getting, when the suspension is being used and the tire is getting pushed up, it's not coming back down to the ground fast enough. Is that generally what we're talking about? Correct. Um, the rebound speed is is not, ex or the fork or shock is not extending fast enough to keep up to the consecutive hits, or you know the trail rocks, whatever it may be. And um, a lot of times, uh, people are complaining about like, "Hey, I'm bottoming out," and this and that. And even through you know techy rocky sections, uh, your your fork and or shock can be packing up. Uh, and causing it to bottom out just within those consecutive hits um, because it's not extending uh, far enough or fast enough into those, uh, you know, holes or, you know, ruts or whatever it may be. Got it. Got it. That's where I was, I was going to ask about that, the stacking, you know, like yeah. hitting a lot of those brake bumps and then things just getting pushed up and up and up and it doesn't have a chance to get back out quick enough. P people will also mistake that for the shock being too harsh. So then they'll, or, or fork, and uh, then they'll soften compression when really they just need to open their rebound speed. And if you can get the fork or shock to majority of your, your ride, uh, sit and ride in that sag area, then uh, it takes less effort for the fork or shock to compress uh, than it does when it's halfway or, or deeper into the travel. And so your suspension will actually move and absorb versus deflecting and, and being stuck in a certain part of the travel and, and mimicking a harsh, uh, you know, harsh suspension. So if you just open rebound, a lot of times that will, that will fix your harsh feeling. Interesting. Gave you that supple feel, that yeah. beautiful, smooth, <laughs> supple feel. And, and then, I guess I see, I see the guys uh, or gals uh, comment about running 40% sag. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's all personal preference really, I suppose, but it sounds to be too much. And when you get too deep, you sit more into that middle part of the shock and it takes more, uh, force, uh, and more effort for that shock to keep going through the rest of the travel. Then, then that's when you start to get the harsh, uh, harsh feedback and feeling because the shock at that point is too deep. It doesn't, you don't always have enough force to compress the shock fully through the travel and, um, I mean, to me, that sounds quite quite a bit, but if that's what he likes, then sure. Got it, got it. Yeah, so the question here, two more warrior asked was, I run 40% uh, sag on the rear. Does that have any effect on the shock? And uh, Ryan's answer there was, was yeah, you're going to be sitting further down into the travel. So if you have 150 mil of travel, you're, you're already starting off with almost half, right? Yeah, yep. Okay, got it. And then now... Another kind of like general question, but when we're talking about rebound and we're talking about compression, if you're, if a rider is, is going down the trail and say they're in a, like a, let's just say rocket out in Orange County, they're, they're going down like uh, some chunk, some, some techie where the bike's doing a lot of dancing. 
what is the compression setup for? What does that do? Rebound, we talked about getting the bike tire back out, opening that suspension back up. But what is the compression piece for? What does that do? Uh, it helps to keep your suspension in that sag range. Uh, it helps you to not dive. Um, it, it keeps the fork riding or shock riding up in the travel. Uh, some more support. Uh, it just keeps everything from blowing through. Um, so like for, for an example, if you're coming into a corner, uh, a steep corner, and you grab a handful of brake and your fork pitches forward, um, and then the bike becomes unbalanced, it unweights the, the back, you know, you would want to add low speed compression to hold the fork up. And um, it, it just helps with the overall balance of the bike and to not, you know, blow through on certain features. If that makes sense. Uh god it's adding more compression or more clicks on the compression helps keep the suspension standing up and not not yeah. diving down like like you're yeah. saying and uh, a lot a common thing we see is um you know not running enough compression and everything's too soft and running too deep and actually if you make something stiffer it sits you higher up in the travel and it'll actually make your bike feel softer Interesting. So it's kind of like counterintuitive if you're thinking about it, right? It's yep. so, so stiffer, more compression will actually make your ride a lot more. So why is that? What, what, it, what's it, happening? It can, it can, not always, but okay. um, it just keeps you, if you can always ride majority of your ride in that sag point, it's going to feel nicer. So whether that's adding compression, uh, taking compression away, speeding up rebounds, uh, majority of your ride overall, ride if you can ride in that point you'll have a more compliant ride got it okay got it man i'm so glad you guys are here because i'm asking questions a lot for me <laughs> but i'm hoping this helps a lot of people and i'm trying to be more general with the questions so that um like from beginners <laughs> to advanced can all kind of you know know uh what we're talking about we have a question here trail pimp is saying i have a 170 29 enduro bike i have a pedal bike but i am running an e bike fork my bike feels harsh in the front on brake bumps any advice for trail pain uh johnny does a lot of bike setups every day so if uh, if he wants he can take this one um so i mean again we're talking about setting up sag um that would be the number one um you know kind of go to uh start off there that way you have a starting point um, I would then, uh, or even Ryan would probably then at that point, you know, depending on the, the fork, um, get him in a good range for compression and then also good rebound speed. Um, but if, uh, trail pimp is, uh, you know, having a, a harsh ride because he's bottoming out the fork, uh, super, you know, easily, or, um, you know, has too many volume spaces, which can add to harshness. Um, because as the fork is going through travel, if there's too many volume spacers, um, it is going to get harsher or harder to get towards the bottom of that, um, you know, or the end of the travel. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can actually, you know, take into consideration when you're setting somebody up. Um, so that question is very vague. But um, again, going back to the basics, setting up SAG, um, I would always start off a rider with maybe one token if not zero tokens um, to get a supple feel throughout the stroke of that fork 
um, or the rear shock. I'll I'll, uh, I'll add to that if if you're having an issue with the fork, it could actually be coming from the shock. So if you make a shock adjustment, it'll actually help your fork. Vice versa, if your shock uh, is is too low, too deep, maybe your fork's too high, uh, too tall, and it's putting more pressure on the uh, the shock, so your bike's not balanced. So if you're having an issue with one end of the bike, you can actually fix that issue by adjusting the other end. Wow. Okay. That's uh, that's really good to know, man. It's so it's so it's so technical. It's like a it's like a science with this stuff. Um, some of the common things. Let, let's go to some of the common things you guys uh, see or are asked because you guys have been in business for a while and have a great reputation down there in San Diego. But what are some of the common things that you guys are are seeing? Um, a lot of. Uh... A lot of big dudes on, on really heavy e-bikes who want to run Cascade Links or, or pedal bikes and Cascade Links. Um, you know, for for a, a little guy, it's not not the not so bad. But uh, when you use those kind of links, you you, you increase the the leverage, initial leverage, and then you have to compensate with a with a coil spring or higher psi, and you kind of offset what you just did with that link. Um, and it's, it's way more difficult to set bikes up with those links for, for big guys. Um, uh, we see, I don't know, man, we see so many things. It's hard to remember. Cause it's just like every day, it's just something else. But, uh. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe let's, let's, uh, some of the things that you, uh, may would, that could help somebody who's more of a beginner, some, some things that could help somebody who's intermediate and then some things that could help somebody who's advanced. Let's, let's do, uh, that run, but. Um, for like beginner, for example, say they get the bike, they, they get their sag, right. They go down a trail. How do they know if they want to mess with the clicks like, and, or should they, uh, I think they should, um, you're not going to hurt anything. Uh, the more you mess with it, the more you're going to know. Um, the, the, the big thing is, is to notate where you're at with your current settings and your current clickers. That way, when you screw something up, um, feel wise, you're not going to hurt anything, but when it, the bike feels worse, you know, you can always go back to that setting. Um, and if you, if somebody calls us to ask for advice, uh, one thing to note is the industry counts clickers from closed or full slow and then backed out. Um, it's, it's, uh, zero is always zero. Um, so if you have two shocks sometimes or forks, sometimes like the tolerances aren't great so you have an extra click on the other one so if you are started zero zero is is always going to be zero um and is so, that is zero is like counterclockwise all the way uh zero would be clockwise, clockwise. all the way all the way slow all the way all the way until you can't click anymore that will be zero and then start from there okay yeah um we we have a i guess bring this up now we have a a, a supplemental website that we use um called f f tuned.com and we log all people's settings there and the site so they can log in and see where they're at so if they do get something back and and they want to make a change they can they can log it on that website but they can always reference it to go back if they need to got it that's cool i kind of like a, a track keeper for it so that they know yeah where they're at where they're at okay that's very cool so if you're a beginner and you're out there riding around and you want to remember where you started mark that down mess with it 
mess with the blues, mess with the reds. What are some of the things that they should be kind of feeling for when they're messing with the blue and the red dials? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, the, the, the best thing to do would be to pick a section of the trail where that you can session and, um, you know, maybe, maybe you're like a downhill into a turn into like a rock garden or something that you can then walk back up and, and, and repeat it. Then, you know, when you do make adjustment, hopefully you can feel it. And now some people aren't, uh, aren't that sensitive, so they might not feel it. So, um, you can go two or three clicks in one direction. That way you make a big change that you can feel it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, some people aren't very sensitive, so they might not feel it, uh, so if you keep going, at least you know, if it gets worse, at least you know that, you know, just to go back. To go back. And some of the things that they might be looking for, like you were saying, is if they're going to the berm, if that front fork is diving on them, or if it feels too harsh, like too too bumpy, they could they could maybe even increase the compression, like you were saying, to, to let the bike stand up, to use more travel. Yeah, so you can, you can fix that situation uh, multiple ways, uh, increase compression, uh, speed up rebound. Uh, if you're talking about a corner, it'd be low speed. Um, uh, so there's not really a right or wrong way to address a problem, but you can think about what that adjustment's going to do for the overall trail and kind of make the best educated, you know, choice. And you're not gonna hurt anything. If it doesn't work, just go back and then just go. You know, yeah. Okay, that's but, cool. But people say all the time, well, how do I adjust this and that? It's like, well, you could do this multiple ways. You can even adjust your shock to fix the fork. So there's not a wrong way to go about it. It's just trying to, to help people and educate people on maybe the most uh, appropriate, seemingly appropriate adjustment for their situation. Got it. it basically, it's also don't be afraid to, to mess with the clickers. As long as you know where you're at, where you feel comfortable, it, it's okay to start clicking those things around. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like, right, Johnny? <laughs> um, now let's take an intermediate rider who's out there. They're, they're jumping. Yeah, um, exactly. They're, they're sending stuff. And, and with intermediate riders, I think uh, one of the big things people are afraid of if they increase rebound is like getting bucked off a lip and, uh, and, and, and that type of thing. So what would you guys say to help set up more of an intermediate rider? Um, Johnny can answer this one. It seems like he's on a delay, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, with bucking and everything like that, I mean, uh, I've learned a lot, um, you know, uh, over the years uh, working on suspension and, and, and going to school and stuff like that for it. Um, but the theory behind bucking is typically the rear end is hanging up and the the inertia is essentially carrying that rear end up and over the the jump. And a lot of people sometimes when they're riding um, and are hitting that trail um, or that jump are, are scared to speed up the rebound because it's going to buck them. But the theory, if you slow down the rebound too, too, too far, that's what can cause the bucking effect also. And um, so the whole scenario of like uh, my bike is bucking me um things like that it can either be translated as the rear end is uh not 
extending fast enough um, and creating that inertia and carrying that um, that up and over. Or mm-hmm. it can be the front end is also doing the same thing and squatting too low and the rear end is too fast and now you're you know getting tossed up and over. So it, it can be, again, too slow rear end, too slow front end. Got it, got it. So really, you kind of just have to find that that sweet spot and play with the the clicks in order to know. Um, as far as you know, like the suspension has the O rings on there. Will those be a good way to tell if you're using too much, too little, um, or is that just mainly for measuring the the sag at the beginning? Um, that that's mostly uh, a measuring tool. I mean, it, it's not really. Um, to be used as like, hey, I'm only getting this much amount of travel, or um, you know, uh, I mean, it's it's literally just a measuring tool. It's a sag ring for that reason. That's what it's gotcha, called. gotcha. In in a in a perfect world, people would just cut those things off and wouldn't worry about them. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so they're not really that helpful of a tool over out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we get a lot of and then another thing too. A lot of people were like. Hey, I'm not getting full travel. I'm not getting full travel. And my sag ring is, is not there, but it's like, you know, full travel is not all the way to the, to the tip of the crown either. Um, but it's like, it, it's really important to note that when your fork or shock does stop compressing at whatever travel that may be, you know, does it feel like you hit a wall? Cause that's bad. But if it feels smooth and the transition from compression to rebound is nice and the bike feels good, then, you know, don't worry about getting full, uh, full travel. Cause maybe the trail you were riding on doesn't warrant full travel. Got it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they didn't have the forces that caused that to, to use it all. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, another question here from trail pimp saying, what is the benefits and negatives of running an e-bike fork on a pedal bike? Should I switch to a non e-bike fork? Will I feel a change? Uh, I mean, other than the air tubes, um, air tube inner um, diameter, um, I think the volume space in that air side is smaller than an, than in a traditional fork. Uh, that's a non e-bike fork. Um, some people can probably benefit from ha- having a lower volume spaces. And this is why also um, I think volume spacers are being created is to, you know, s- uh, create a smaller volume of space. And um, so, I mean, it can benefit the right, cr- the right rider um, in that sense. So I, I don't think it's a negative or a positive fact. I, I think it's just, you know, preference wise at that point. Got it. Okay. Instead gotcha. of, yeah. So it's just mainly the diameter of the tube where the air is. It's just another version of of trapping that air for your <laughs> suspension, so to speak. Yeah. Okay, very cool. Um, question that came in, and and I think this one's from Brie Azeltine. She's a she's a ripper out there on the trail. So I think she's just kidding, of course. Um, but a lot of people do want to know this, so I thought I'd bring it up. So is it damping or dampening? Damping. Damping. <laughs> is there such thing as dampening? Uh, you guys are smiling o- at me. <laughs> only if you're becoming wet. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, folks. It is definitely damping, damping. Um, we got a question out of San Clemente. 
Uh, Mike, who is a shredder out there at the dog park trail, saying, what percent SAG should I be running? And he is more of an advanced writer. Um, I still say, well, it depends on what he's, uh, what end of the bike, but like I'd still say on a shock, you know, on a, an enduro type of bike, still about 30%, a fork around 20% to start. Perfect. And then he says, how should your suspension be set up for the terrain you are riding? Should it change if you're doing more jumps, more corners, or more rocky type of trails? Or is there like a one set and go type of set? I, I wouldn't say there's a one set or one, um, yeah, one adjustment for everything. Um, I, I think also the ability of uh, the rider can dictate, um, you know, some are more have more finesse on a bike than others that kind of just grip onto the bars and plow through things um, versus some people that are more flowy through trail sections. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, setup wise, it, it, it can vary all the time. Um, but knowing what is working for you in that trail, um, I think is very important because you'll have the most fun that way. Um, and by logging it, um, I think it's, it's very, uh, very easy to go over and say, Hey, for trail X or Y or Z, Hey, I like these settings. I like these settings and having all that jotted down, I think, uh, will only make them faster and also have more fun. Okay. Very good. Yeah. I, th I think that, uh, ideally you have, you know, your suspension internal settings good enough that you go from trail to trail. Maybe it's a click or two here or there. I think, yeah. So I think Johnny said it pretty well. That's good to know. Yeah. A little click here, there be as close as you can. And then if mm -hmm. you need more compression, I mean, when we're, when we're riding down the trail, basically uh, the compression is just like as the, as the bike is pushing down and the rebound as the bike is lifting back up. Right. So when we're saying speed up, then we're increasing the resistance on the, if we're speeding up compression, we're re increasing the resistance on how the bike goes down. And Correct. if we're, speeding up the rebound, it were actually speeding up the amount of, of time that the bike tire is getting pushed back up. Yeah. If you, th if you think about like, um, uh, like, uh, screwing, you know, a, uh, you're essentially just closing off a hole more or less, uh, with a needle. So with a taper needle, so the more of the needle goes into the hole, more of the taper taper goes through the hole you're restricting the oil coming back, you know, against the needle, making something stiffer or slower. If you unthread the needle or the screw out of the hole, it's going to allow more oil to flow freely, uh, lessening resistance and making something softer or faster. Gotcha. Gotcha. Gotcha, man. So much to learn. <laughs> and then we did touch on this one. Um, but, uh, MTV cook is asking, Volume spacers, right amount for your weight? I would probably say, uh, just like Ryan said earlier, you know, a lot of our tunes either have, like we essentially set them up with one volume spacer or with zero. Um, and I, I think the, the way that you know mountain bike suspension is set up now um it's either too soft and that's why um you know they're giving you these uh volume spacers to kind of uh 
try to help uh, an issue um, that is, you know, always going to be blowing through travel and stuff like that. But if it's valved properly, those volume spacers sometimes aren't needed um, because it's going to hold you up um, and not blow through its travel all the way or even keep you from bottoming out harshly. Um, so the volume spacer question, I think, um, if it was to be sent to us, we'd either set you up with one or zero volume spacers um, because we'd revalve it um, if you allow us to. But um, yeah, I, I would say for a stock fork, a lot of a lot of people are running like two, three, four volume spacers sometimes, which is only adding to harshness, I, I believe. Got it. So basically, you're just restricting the amount of 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 space that's within the suspension by adding those volume spacers, right? So does that actually take away from a person's travel on their bike if they start adding two, three, four volume spacers? Yeah, it, it will because it's going to create a, the ramp effect, uh, which it's going to get super harsh to get to the end uh, of that travel. And some people will even come in and say, hey, I, I'm not getting full travel on the fork or shock. And uh, we open it up and they have, uh, you know, max volume spacers and are saying, hey, it feels harsh. And um, we see that all the time. Mm. Interesting. Um, Trail Pimp is asking this, actually, I think making a point too. He says, I think it's important to go to a suspension specialist such as you guys or even Gravity Bikes up in Fullerton. He says, I have not had good luck at bike shops with suspension service. Yeah, go go into. Yeah, the I mean we we support a lot of bike shops. Uh, you know, I don't I don't want to talk bad on them, but we've you know we've done the training, uh, we have the tooling, we have the experience. Um, I personally have done it on a factory level uh, with motocross, and um, you know, we've put so much time and effort into learning this stuff. Uh, you know, I, a lot of bike shops can go online and look at uh, directions and rebuild something and you know hopefully it comes out good but um but yeah we just uh we have so much tooling we, we have dynos we have bleed machines um we just bought another dyno uh so it's just like we're constantly learning constantly buying more equipment just so we can be better um but really knowing how the suspension works what does what uh, what shim in the shim stack, you know, affects, you know, this or that, or changing a shim stack, uh, you know, changing a shim stack and how is that going to dictate the dyno graph? Um, it's just stuff that we constantly test and, you know, trying to get better. And, uh, I think bike shops just, you know, they don't have that knowledge, but, uh, you know, they're a good resource for, for a lot of people. Um, but, uh, but I think that's where we, uh, where we can help them out. Got it. Yeah. I, I love that. You guys are definitely the specialist and, and it makes sense that you guys get more reps on suspension only. Like you're not doing drive trains. You're not doing other things. It, it's the suspension, which allows you to get deep into, uh, no pun intended, deep into all the different types of suspension that's out there. Trail pimps gives me <laughs> fire. <laughs> Jake from state farm is saying the hometown boys on the show tonight. But yeah, I mean, uh, some some days one of us is just solely on the dyno, just just learning, testing, uh, coming up with settings, and uh, while the other guy's holding down the bench with repairs and you know managing everybody else. So it's just like 
you know, it's, it's a lot, but uh, what makes it fun for us is, is developing and learning. And, and what's cool about suspension is you're never done learning. Uh, if you say you're done learning, then that's the time that you should probably walk away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Always yeah. a student. There's always something to learn. And, and to I touch just... bases real quick. Yeah. Go for um, it, John. Like, you know, Ryan, Ryan has worked at a bike shop. And, you know, I've worked at a bike shop. We all started at bike shops. Um, and I think we, we pursued the growth, you know, we wanted to keep learning. We wanted to keep growing and, um, you know, we stepped into a realm, uh, years ago, you know, uh, that wasn't really what anybody was willing to touch. And, and Ryan, you know, stepped away from the bike bicycle industry and into, um, the whole, uh, you know, suspension industry and, uh, is bringing back knowledge, which, has only been passed down uh, this way, and you know I definitely want to help uh, suspension and and everyone in the bike industry uh, because it's what was lacking. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's such a big part of what of what's on our bikes and what, what we're riding. I just for the folks that are here on YouTube right now, I know the folks on Apple iTunes and Spotify can't see this, but I just put a, pulled up a picture of the the shock dyno. And it's a graph. What we're looking at, it's force versus displacement. And can you guys kind of take us through this a little bit? Uh, that particular one was a seal drag test. And we were testing the, what was it? The, the stock Fox DHX2, uh, this, this, the friction of a stock shaft versus the shafts that we are DLC coding. Okay. Um, and uh, if, if that made sense. And uh, so we found that there was less friction, less drag with the DLC coating. And then the more that that shaft was used and worked, the slicker that the coating became. Uh, and then there was less friction, less drag on the, uh, the O-rings and the, the bushing. So... so is that kind of like what the Kashima coat is supposed to be doing? Is that what you mean by the, the DH? Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it is a coating. Uh, DLC coating is black. It's, uh, it's called uh, diamond-like coating. Um, and it's, uh, uh, I don't know if you're scrolling through the Instagram, it's just uh, the black shafts that we have in, in bulk. Yeah, right there. Uh, um, uh, well, yeah, not that one, but um, uh, yeah. But yeah not that one yeah let's see this yeah there you go yeah so those are uh, DLC yep, coated yeah. jazz those. and uh, yeah the, the coating is slicker so the idea with suspension is um, less drag less friction um, that's the whole that's the whole goal um, so by using different coatings that's one aspect that we can help you know with the with drag and, and having less of it. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. And when it comes to all the different suspensions, I guess one of the things we could maybe talk about too is uh, there has been, it seemingly looks like there's been a lot more coil on the trails versus air recently. And um, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, that's kind of something that, that I see. And I actually went to coil on my decoy and I, I love how it feels. I can't explain to you why I like it, but I feel this nice difference to it. Um, 
what is generally the difference between a coil shock and a, an air shock and what we're feeling? Uh, you're, first of all, you're, you're taking away friction. So you're removing the, the, the air spring piston. Um, or if you're going from air shock to coil shock, you're removing all the friction and, and drag from the air can seals. So it's going to feel more supple because you don't have all the initial stiction. Um, but then an air shock or an air spring and a fork uh, is progressive. So, um, but the big guys are gaining with an air shock is the progressivityness of the air spring, which will help with uh, with not bottoming out. Um, and uh, a coil is is linear, so you don't always you know depending on the the damper, you don't get in the valving you don't get the progressiveness, and it's uh, it's more uh, even feeling through the whole stroke. Got it. That's definitely something that I feel. And the word that you use, I think, stiction, the initial hit on going from air to coil, in my case, the initial hit on a rock garden, it feels so much more supple. There's not like a harshness to it. It just, I feel like I'm riding on a trophy truck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's the whole, whole goal. I mean, we, uh, we just acquired super LA racing springs, um, because, uh, we believe in, in coil so much and, uh, um, and yeah, we, there's just so much more coil suspension out there and, um, yeah, coil dampers, they're now, they, they now have hydraulic bottom outs, which was new for mountain biking, not so much new in terms of suspension, but that is going to help something become more progressive towards the end of the stroke. Uh, so you, then you can get away with uh, a coil spring on, on some bikes and maybe you couldn't have in the future. Very cool. Does it, does it seem like then with uh, that linear feel versus that progressive, is it, 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 I mean, I, I like the way that that linear is and it feels like it wouldn't be too hard to like dial in my, my settings because linear versus that progressiveness, or am I just, am I just saying that? <laughs> uh, it, you, you go through the same motions when setting up, um, but uh, with an air shock or fork, um, you know, you can maybe take out some spacers because that thing is going to get so progressive. Because if uh, with the shock, if you start with 200 PSI initially and you compress the shock, you know, the PSI is growing. So, you know, you could at the very end stroke, you could end up with, you know, four or 500 PSI because it, it gets so progressive. Um, so, you know, but, but yeah, I guess to answer your question, you would go through the same, same functions to set up as, you know, for coil or, or air, it doesn't really matter. Got it, got it. That seems to make sense to me. The, the air increasing from 200 to like 500 or 600 by the end of the stroke, meaning that little changes end up becoming bigger changes as you travel through the suspension versus the linear yes. is probably not as much of, correct. of, uh, of movement. Um, got a question here, uh, from Jake, Jake from state farm is asking, wonder if forks and shocks will be moving towards air chambers instead of tokens like the Olin's products. Uh, maybe I, I think the, the new rock shock boxer has something more along the lines of what Olin's is doing. Um, I haven't seen one yet. Uh, they like literally just came out. So. It seems like they're kind of going that direction. Um, it's just weird. But I mean, I know 
a mountain bike itself is, is quite a bit different than a motorcycle or a truck, but um, the mountain bike industry, for whatever reason, is the only industry, I think, that I know of that uses tokens or volume spacers uh, in lieu of what I feel is, is you know, proper valving and proper setup initially. So it's, uh, um, I don't know, hopefully things in the future become, come a little bit better. Nice. Johnny, what do you think about that? Same, same thing as, as what Ryan was saying on there? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I think uh, that those air chambers are going to get uh, a lot nicer um, by design. And, and um, just like he said, you know, no, nothing that I know or I've seen in school shows that, you know, they're using uh, volume spacers or anything like that. Um, so things are are getting better. I think there's it's it's still a little far away, but um, yeah, I think the whole tokens and stuff like that. I think it's going to start going away if, if if it was to be valved properly. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Trump Pimp is asking. My bike is designed for a 37 to 44 millimeter offset. I have a 51 millimeter offset fork on my bike. Should I go to a shorter offset? Will this help me at the bike park? Um, I could probably answer that real quick. Um, so I have, um, I'm running a 44 mil rake on my Stumpy Evo. Um, it's what they suggest uh, to run. Um, and I've also have had a 51 mil offset fork on there. Um, and I will say a 51 mil offset fork will kick out the front end a little bit more, but also sometimes will make you sit up higher. So in the scenario that you're going down the hill, it might be beneficial for him to be, um, on the 51, but it all also, ha it all has to do with, you know, how the steering feels, um, if the steering feels, uh, too boaty or too hard to go around the turns or corners, then I would say it might be better if he went with the shorter uh, offset to, you know, maneuver the bike around a little bit better um, in tighter turns or corners. Nice. Very cool. Anything, did you want to add to that one, Ryan? Or No, I think you nailed it. But yeah, it's a shorter offset. It's going to turn a little bit quicker. Um, so it's, it's really... In my opinion, it's really all about uh, you know, personal preference. Uh, I, I, was, I would probably say, you know, stick with what the manufacturer recommends. But uh, in certain cases, yeah, if you want a different characteristic, then just change the change the offset. It's pretty common on motorcycles to to tune with offsets and in uh, uh, clamps, but uh, yeah, you don't see it so much in mountain biking because the the CSUs are so expensive. Right. Right. Interesting. Um, this too, uh, for suspension, MTB Nick 316 up by Holder Crooks is saying, I haven't changed my suspension in three years. Um, what would you recommend? Because that's such a vital part of our bike and our experience out on the trails. How, how often should we get our suspension serviced? How often should we check our, our suspension air pressure? And um, we'll start with air. Um, I, I think we always say here, like once a year, you should get the 
fork and shock serviced, um, you know, full top to bottom. Um, it's going to, you know, feel better after the service. A lot of times we see damage internally with forks or shocks that have, uh, you know, long hours or, you know, many, many years on them. Um, so it's only going to be more expensive to service once you bring it in uh, at three years. But um, if you want to have more fun on the trail, uh, not get so beat up out there, I would say regular maintenance will prevent some of the, you know, uh, big uh, parts from wearing um, and cost you less in the long run, but also keep you out out there on the trail having fun. Nice. Nice. And... Uh, Ryan, go ahead. Uh, yeah, like uh, mountain bike stuff goes bad. Mountain bike suspension goes bad so slowly over time that the rider doesn't really feel that it's getting bad. Where as a motorcycle rider, they'll know the minute that their suspension's clapped out. Um, but uh, I mean, you'd be surprised at how much better something feels uh, if you service it. You know, once a year is easy to remember, so we we always recommend about once a year. E-bikes could be a little bit less than that, but um, yeah, you'd be amazed at how much better something would feel that you thought wasn't bad to begin with. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. I guess you never know. Your normal is what you have going on and you didn't know how much better it could get. Exactly. That's very, that's a good reminder. And with you guys being the specialist, when it comes to all the different shocks that are out there, and, and of course, you know, you talk to one writer, he's going to want DVO. You would talk to another writer, it's like Fox all the way, Olin's. Is there one that kind of has more has more science behind it? One's more reliable, or in your opinion, are they all pretty much the same? What comes on the bike is is good enough. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll probably probably get in trouble for this comment, but I mean, uh, even though Fox has had a lot of issues with their X2 shock, um, yeah, the, the internal quality of it. Um, is it's really nice. It's nice CNC parts. Um, it's easy to work on, easy to tune. Replacement parts are readily available. Um, you know, there there are companies also that are are great too. You know, Push being one of them. Uh, Olean's is, is really high quality stuff. Um, you know, RockShock makes things more difficult because they don't allow anybody to buy small parts. So if you damage a certain part of your fork or shock. Um, you might have to buy a complete new setup because you can't buy that small $10 part to fix it. Or oh, a lot wow. of brands, a lot of brands nowadays are, um, uh, providing parts. So it makes, it makes our lives easier. It makes your guys's life, you know, less expensive. That's interesting. But, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, that's good. So go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, but yeah, it's a, I mean, stuff now is so good, but there, there are certain brands that are for us easier to work with and, getting parts is more, they're more available. So, um, yeah, it's, but, uh, you know, they, they all put out really quality stuff for the most part. That's good. That's good to know. I know there's always like, you, you always see people, they buy the bike, the bike stock, and then they immediately, you know, upgrade to their favorite suspension. So I was always curious as a specialist, what you guys are, are seeing. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of bike brands want to hit a price point and they'll, you know, they'll put a, a Fox DPS real itty bitty cross country shock on a super heavy e-bike just to hit a price point. So, um, th that's kind of a bummer, but, uh, yeah, so there, there is, 
you know, so buying a bike and having to switch out a fork or shock is, is, is pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, it sounds like for good reason too, you might be under, you might be under, under bike, so to speak, if, exactly. it, if it comes because of a price point. Um, now let's talk about fluid focus. Uh, I know that, uh, there's a lot of specialists in the area. You guys are highly recommended. Another bike shop up in Fullerton's highly recommended gravity bicycles. And they always lean towards really knowing their suspension with you guys. You guys have your, you guys have your own things going on there as well. And like computers and all kinds of things. But if somebody were to come in or make the drive from Southern California down into San Diego, Southern, Southern California to see you guys, um, what are, what are some of the ranges of service that you could provide? Um, I mean, we could do anything from like a stock factory level service, wipers, you name it, um, uh, air can services. And then we can also do, uh, which those kind of vary, I mean, uh, in price point because of seals, but we can also do everything from custom tuning, um, revalving. Um, and we do have a lot of, uh, you know, our custom stuff like bump stops, uh, pistons, uh, DLC coated shafts. Um, and we're always trying to essentially get somebody set up right. So custom tuning, I, I say we always suggest it, but it's always up to the consumer. And, so there's a, and what they want out of the, the service. Some people yes. would just want a regular it, service and are happy with their setup and we'll put them right back to where they have. It's very cool. You guys offer a lot. And when you're talking about some of your, your own custom stuff, we talked about the uh, setting up of the suspension. And I think I'm bringing it up right here. This is, I believe this is Ryan here. Are you, uh, is this, what What are we, or maybe not, what are we looking at here? Is yeah. this? That is a Fox Grip 2 VVC cartridge. Um, we've developed some, uh, some new tuning for that, uh, some new internals for that uh, as well. Um, there's this, uh, we've, I can't name any names, but we have a really high profile rider uh, racing uh, on our, our tune. Uh, that was probably part of testing and, and coming up with a setting for that rider. Um, but yeah, so we use that dyno to, to graph the tunes to see what the changes we're making are doing, making sure that they're in the, the right direction that we want to go making sure that the, uh, the damper is safe, not cavitating. Um, you know, we'll, we'll run pressure balances on our tune. Uh, yeah. So it's just a, it's a tool to, to help us to, to know what's going on internally to make sure that what we want to, to happen is happening and just to make sure it's safe. Nice. Interesting. That's pretty cool. I, and I know like, uh, at gravity bikes up in Fullerton that when they do some tuning to you, to the rider, They'll take the rider outside, have them hook some drops, hit some sit, sit some trunk, and see how the suspension is is reacting. And for you guys, when you're tuning a rider suspension, it, do you guys do it via computer through these dynos? Uh, we have people fill out a, a form, uh -huh. and we'll go off that form. We'll look up the bike uh, leverage, uh, the, the kinematics of the frame, uh, what the rider is doing, the rider's weight, um, and then we have set we have our own tuning menus that we've developed that we can pick from uh for a, a certain rider's uh 
application and what they're doing with the bike. Okay. Um, but uh, we, we have a we have BYB telemetry data system that we use also to tune. Um, so yeah, it's all done. We don't we don't actually have the, the time. We, I'd love to to be able to go out and uh, and uh, to test with somebody. Uh, we're working towards that with the the BYB telemetry setup. But um, but yeah, we do it all uh, remotely uh, with the customer. Wow, that's cool. And if, for the folks that are on here uh, watching the live, we're looking at one of the dynos in action, and this is uh, taking the suspension through here and spitting out a graph. What are what are we looking at here, uh, Ryan or Johnny? Uh, so yeah, so that one is uh, that dyno will uh, it's a it'll do about a meter per second, so it'll give us uh, a decent range. Uh, we did order one that will do about five meters per second that we're waiting on delivery. Uh, but, uh, yeah, essentially just make sure that, that the internals are safe and, and what, you know, what the clickers are doing when we change them, uh, what the damper function is doing. Um, it just, it helps us to, to tune and, um, provide the customer with the, the best experience. Got it. And when the customer fills out the form, is it like where they ride or, or what's, what's usually on that form to feed into the computer? It's, uh, it's a full customer profile. Um, and then we'll, we don't have a, uh, like a computer model that'll like dictate what we do, but we'll, we take everybody's individual situation and we'll come up with a plan that we feel best suits them and to get them in the proper range of adjustments and, and, uh, and make their ride as comfortable and compliant as possible. Nice. Nice. Dang. That's super high tech, man. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. We got, uh, Another one here, Jake Farm, uh, Jake from State Farm. I love his handle. He says, "Thoughts on over forking and fork flex would also be a great topic." What about what about that? Uh, generally, the rule of thumb is is ten millimeters increase, decrease. Uh, either way, uh, more than that puts uh, a lot of stress on the the frame, and the head tube, and, and completely and completely throws off the geometry. Puts way too bike. much pressure. It's way too much pressure on the shock, not enough pressure on the fork. The bike balance is completely off. Um, so, ten mils either way is 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 good. More than that, I wouldn't do. It's it's not. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Ten mils is kind of like your your safe zone there. Otherwise, buy a different yeah. bike with the geometry that's for that. <laughs> for yeah, that. Exactly. Uh, got it. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. Chopin is saying, do you guys exactly. service loose riders, San Diego suspension? He's wondering. Uh, one of the one of the guys, that's uh, Ian Kelly's group out there in San Diego, the loose riders, Mr. Nice Bike. I know he. Uh, yes, yes, we've yeah. done some work for him. Yep. Nice, nice. Jake from State Farm is saying, they custom tune my yep. Fox 40 and my Float X2. Have a question here. Chopin is saying, if I send in my X2 and 36 Kashima in to you, can you make me feel like a hero at North Star? Yeah. Do you guys take shipments from uh, somebody not in the area? From all over, everywhere. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Everywhere. Johnny will, Johnny will make you feel like a hero. He does. He does. <laughs> uh, now he's the guy I do most of the tunes here. So he'll, he'll source you out. <laughs> Yeah. So what's the, what's the best way guys for, if you don't live in the area, but some say somebody catches this podcast and they're like trail pimp here, they're out of the, the Lake Tahoe area. Um, do they, would they call the shop and arrange shipping or how does that work? Uh, email, email is best. Uh, okay. Info at fluid 
hyphenfocus.com. It's uh, emails best. It's documented. Everybody here is on the same page. We can all see it. Uh, it's it's the best way. Okay, got it. And they can find that also on your Instagram and your website. Can you let the folks know uh, where they can find you on Instagram? Oh, what is our Instagram? Uh, it's uh, is it? correct. Yeah, what is it? Uh, it's fluid <laughs> underscore focus underscore LLC. There it is right there. Yeah. I'll bring it up on the on the thing. Yeah, fluid underscore focus LLC to get to the guys here at fluid focus. And then the email, you'll find it there. And then you guys also have the website uh, up, which is uh, fluid hyphen focus dot com. You can reach out to them there. And you guys work with a lot of different companies. In fact, uh, for example, when my push coil, when I when I put it on the rack of my car and I saw the oil leaking out, um, when I contacted Push, for example, I'm sure the same way with Fox and everybody else, but there was a list of highlighted specialists that they would recommend work on the bike. Closest one to my area was this, this shop called Fluid Focus. And uh, all I had to do was mention it to about two writers before I got somebody saying, oh, dude, those guys are, are the bomb. They know all their stuff out there. That's all they do. And, uh, man, they were, they were not wrong. Yeah, we, uh, we sure as hell try, man. God, it's, uh, it, we stress over it all the time, just trying to be the best and, and do the best work and be the most honest uh, that we can. I love yes. it. I love it. You guys are really good at what you do, and, and I really appreciate it. I need to have you guys back on the episode. I know we kind of covered kind of a broad range of suspension, but I know people are going to want to dive into more like nitty-gritty uh, things more specific. Yeah, anytime. We'd love to come back. Um, let's make it a regular thing if people want it. Yeah, let's let's definitely do it. And um, in closing, is there anything about suspension, about tuning your suspension about servicing your suspension that we didn't get to share just have fun it's a bike yeah, don't take it too do seriously it. it's a bike yeah i love that i love that yeah right so, yeah, <laughs> sounds like don't be afraid to mess with the dials uh blue is helping you not go down to the ground too fast red's helping you get back off there a lot quicker and opening yep. up that rebound um Play around with the clicks. And most importantly, as Johnny said earlier, set that sag. Set that sag. Uh, with that being said, you guys, thank you so much for jumping on the segment podcast. Number one thing to do. Yep. Number one thing to do is set that, set that sag. Thank you guys so much for jumping on the podcast. Thank you, everybody, in the chats tonight. If you have any questions after this podcast and you want to reach out to the boys at Fluid Focus, uh, jump on over there at info at Fluid Focus hyphen. Uh, fluid-focus or fluid-focus.com. Send them an email and they'll get back to you or Trail Pimp if you want to send in your suspension to Johnny here. Uh, he'll take care of you, make you a hero at North Star for sure. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, thank you so much, man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Heck yeah, great to see you guys. I can't wait to have you guys back on the show and we'll get deeper into yeah, the thank whole Thank you so much for having suspension. us. Thank you, boys. All right, man. Take it easy. Until next time. Yeah. Holy cow, episode 120 in the books. Thank you so much to Ryan and Johnny from Fluid Focus Suspension out there in Southern California for your knowledge and being open to jumping on the show and talking all things suspension. 
Hopefully this was able to cover like a gamma of writers out there from the beginners to the more advanced writers on setup, suspension, coil, just a whole multitude of things, including getting your suspension serviced. If you do want to check out Fluid Focus when you're in the area, or if you're not in the area, go to their website at fluid-focus.com. You could even send in your suspension to get it worked on, or just see what they have going on in the shop on their website. Thank you guys all again for jumping on the show. As always, remember when life gets tough, the trails get tough, keep climbing one pedal at a time to reach the top, to reach your goal and hit that nice downhill that you so deserve. Remember, all your hard work that you put into something is always going to pay off. Look forward to seeing you guys out on the trails or back here in the studio for episode 121.